0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Easter Sunday, April 21st, 2019, on the basis of Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. As I'm sure a lot of you are aware, Holy Week 2019 got off to kind of a rough start. On Monday, the very famous Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris caught fire. And of course, like a lot of things in 2019, this was something that we didn't just hear about or read about, we got to watch. We got to see the pictures and the footage as they came flooding in. A sad sight to behold for many reasons. It's a building that's almost 800 years old. It's a building that took more than 100 years to build. It's incredibly beautiful both inside and out. It's a triumph of medieval architecture and technology. A lot of very historically significant events have happened in that building. And yet I think watching Notre Dame Cathedral burn was difficult for people for at least one more very important reason. See, whenever I visit a place like that, I can't help but just look up in absolute awe and think to myself, look at what people did. Look at what human beings are capable of. And 800 years ago, no less. I mean, you think about the money, and the time and the skill and the manpower and the lives that were dedicated to building that building, and then in 15 short hours, so much of it can be undone. Sort of confronts us with a very difficult question Does anything that we do last? Can anything that we set our minds and our hands to endure? Will anything that we build stand? no matter what? That's an important question for us to consider this morning because human beings like to build things, not just so that they can stand under them and gawk at them. Human beings like to build things so that they can stand on them. In other words, so that they can base the things that they are really after in life on the things that they've built. So, for example, a sense of worth and value as a human being. Well, I've got the grades on my report card and the title on my business card and all the trophies on my shelf and all the letters that come behind my last name and there you go, plop. My sense of worth can go right there. Or our sense of goodness as human beings, our sense of virtue. Well, I've never cheated on my spouse. I've never mistreated anyone because of their race or religion or gender. I even try and leave as little of a carbon footprint as I possibly can. I recycle. I even drive a hybrid and plop. My sense of virtue can go right there. Or what about our hope for the future? Technology will fix everything. Artificial intelligence is going to be amazing. Medical science will eventually find a cure for every disease. And as long as, as, long as we can get the right people in office, then everything will be just fine. And plop. My hope for the future can go right there. We like to build things, not just so that we can look up at them and gawk, but also so that we can stand on them and feel secure. But then what if, as we saw this week, even the sturdiest and the steadiest of things that we've built, even things that have lasted for a really long time, what happens when those things come crumbling down? That's the very question that the people that we meet in today's gospel were confronted with That first Holy Week, it had not gone very well for them either. Their sense of value and worth, their purpose in life, and their hope for the future had all gone up in smoke when their Savior Jesus was put to death on a cross. And yet, as they went out to Jesus' tomb that morning, they discovered something that we also are going to discover. That no matter what might happen, No matter what might attack it, no matter what assaults it might endure, even when everything else fails, Easter still stands. Maybe the first question that we need to answer this morning is, did Easter really happen? Did a guy who was really once dead really come back to life? And that's an important question for all of us to answer, whether we've always kind of assumed that he did, or whether we've always kind of assumed that he didn't or whether we've been somewhere in between. So how do these verses help us answer that question? Well, first they tell us about these women. These women went out to the tomb early Easter morning and it's very clear what they expected to find. They expected to find Jesus still dead. They didn't wake up bright and early and say to themselves, Happy Easter, everyone! Jesus is alive! Let's go out and see how he's doing. No, they went out to the tomb with spices in their hands because they were going to finish the burial process that had been done so quickly on Friday afternoon. They fully expected that they were going to see that big, giant stone that had been put in front of the tomb still there and they were wondering who was going to help them roll it away. And then they fully expected to find Jesus' body in the tomb. In fact, it's kind of interesting that, that Luke notes something that they didn't find. Usually we don't take time to call attention to things that we don't find. For example, if I go home after church today and I open my garage door and I don't find a rainbow-colored unicorn standing there in my garage, I probably won't think anything of it, right? I won't tell anybody about it because I don't expect to find something like that in my garage. The fact that they noted what they didn't find shows very clearly that they expected to find it. So that's the women, and then there's the men. The women come back from the empty tomb, and they tell the men what they had seen. They tell the men what they had heard from the angels, that Jesus was alive. And they had to keep telling them over and over and over again because the men would not believe it. In fact, the men decided that the words of these women seemed like nonsense. No matter how many times they told them, they still refused to believe it. And so they sent Peter out to the tomb and sure enough, he found burial cloths there, but nobody, exactly what you would expect to find, if in fact the women were telling the truth and what they had found did in fact happen, but... Peter walks away from that tomb and he's still just kind of wondering what had happened. Do you realize how bad this account makes those men look? And what's truly remarkable about the fact that they look the worst in this account is do you know who's telling this story? Those very same men are. These very same men who are in the story were the ones responsible for preserving and eventually writing down the events of that first Easter morning. In other words, they controlled the entire narrative And yet, this is what they chose to say. Yeah, we were sitting there Sunday morning just enjoying a nice brunch by ourselves. And then all of a sudden, these women came in from the empty tomb and they were yammering on and on and on about how Jesus was alive. You know how women can be, right? Blah, 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 blah. And so then we had to mansplain to them that no, dead people do not, in fact, come back from the dead And yet they wouldn't give it up. And so finally we sent Peter out to the tomb. And he checked it out. And sure enough, what he saw very much backed up what they had said. But you know, we're still not sure what happened. We're still trying to get to the bottom of it. This makes them look absolutely awful. And they're the ones telling the story. Here's what all of this means. Both the women and the men in this account act exactly how you would expect them to act considering what they are. They are witnesses. They are the discoverers of Easter. They are not the inventors of Easter. See, if you invent something, it might take you a while to get it to work just right, but once it does, you know exactly what it is, right? Because you invented it. When you discover something, it might take you by surprise, and in fact, for a while, you might not even know what you're looking at. When Christopher Columbus came over and landed in the New World and saw the people who were already living there, he called them Indians because he thought he was in India because Christopher Columbus discovered the new world. He did not invent the new world. And in the very same way, these women and men, they were the discoverers of Easter, not the inventors. They are not acting like hucksters or conspirators. They are not looking acting like science fiction writers or even well-trained Christian theologians. They are acting like exactly what they are. They are acting like witnesses. One of the things that these verses show us is that Easter will not fall even if you don't believe it. In other words, the reality of Easter is not dependent on our faith in whether it did or did not happen. It either happened or it didn't whether you believe it or not. In fact, the very first witnesses of the resurrection, these disciples, they did not believe it. And yet, in spite of their best efforts, the good news of Easter still got out. And there's only one explanation for that. It's because Jesus himself had gotten out of that tomb. Easter still stands. Easter will not fall, even if you don't believe it. And here's why that's important. Like I said before, when it comes to our sense of worth, our sense of virtue, our hope for the future, we are looking for something secure to stand on. And so if we are going to make Jesus what he did for us and who he is, if we are going to make Jesus even a small part of what we are standing on, then it needs to be real. It needs to be solid. It needs to have actually happened. In fact, not only that, but we're, we're not just doing that for ourselves. We're also doing that for the people for whom we are responsible. Maybe most notably, our children. Our children. Each and every day we are doing figuratively for our children what we probably did literally a time or two when they were much, much smaller. We're picking them up, we're putting them in one very specific place and we're saying to them, stand right there, don't move a muscle. We are teaching our children what they are to stand on. And if Jesus, who he is, what he's done, is going to be even a small part of what they are standing on, then we need to know that it's real, that it happened that it holds up, and it does. Easter will not fall, even if you do not believe in it. I really, really hope. And just know deep down in my heart that something is true. That might be good for other situations. That might be good enough for the good weather that we're hoping for. That might be good enough for the Milwaukee Bucks playoff run that we're hoping to see. That might be good enough for our hopes for the 2020 election, but not for this. Not for the most important things in life and certainly not for eternity. We need something solid. And Easter is. Easter will not fall even if you don't believe in it. And that means the good news is that Easter won't fall if you do, in fact, decide to believe in it. I don't know if you realize this, but we often use that phrase, believe in, in two completely different ways in our normal, everyday speech. For example, someone might say, I believe in the Easter Bunny. Someone else might say, I believe in Donald Trump. Same exact phrase, two completely different meanings, right? If you say, I believe in the Easter Bunny, you're saying, I believe that the Easter Bunny is real, that he exists. If you say, I believe in Donald Trump, you're saying that you trust him, that you have confidence in the job that he's doing as president. And by the way, no wisecracks about what each of those comments might indicate about a person's intelligence or lack thereof. Here's the point. We don't need to say that we believe in Easter in the sense that we believe it's real. It it is real or isn't real whether we believe it or not. But because it is real, we very much do need to believe in Easter. That's the very reason we can stand on it, trust it, put our confidence in it. And the angels told the women exactly why that is. When the angels appeared to the women at the tomb, they said this, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. In other words, the angels didn't simply tell the women Jesus is alive. They said Jesus is alive as promised. Jesus is alive exactly how it had to be. And there's a very important difference there. If you've played any amount of pool in your life, you know that sometimes the shot that you are taking can go way off course And yet, just by chance and after about 12 different ricochets, one of your balls can still magically end up in one of the holes. That's why in pool, at least if if you're a, a pretty decent pool player, you have to sort of tell what you're going to do, right? You have to call your shot. Otherwise, in pool, they call that slop, right? The angels are telling the women that when it comes to Jesus, his resurrection from the dead is not slop. All of his hopes and plans didn't come unraveled. Everything didn't go wrong and then, oh, it turns out well in the end. No, Jesus didn't simply rise from the dead. Jesus called his shot. Everything had gone exactly right, even the very things that seemed to be most wrong. And that, friends, is why we need to believe in Easter and stand firmly on it. I think you would agree that it's not uncommon for things in our life to seem Exactly wrong. And when that's the case, our hope in God, the hope that we have, is not simply that, well, maybe they'll turn around, or maybe things will get better, or maybe we'll come out successfully on the other side. Instead, our hope is that even when things ex- seem exactly wrong, our God can and will use those very things to work what is exactly right. Start with our sin. For example, I mentioned before how we often like to build our sense of virtue on our own behavior, on the good things that we have done. Boy, talk about a house of cards that, as we all know, comes crumbling to the ground very, very quickly. What is God going to do about our sin? These verses tell us. The angels told the women that Jesus was handed over into the hands of sinners that God took the very worst of human evil and he put Jesus right in the middle of it and in fact, he used it to bring about forgiveness and salvation. Think that your sin would be somehow too big for God to handle. Jesus' resurrection proves that the payment he made on Good Friday is finished and complete and sufficient. You have been forgiven. What about when all of our plans in life fail? What about when all of our dreams don't come true? Or what about when our dreams do come true, but they don't live up to expectation and we are still left feeling empty inside? What's God going to do about that? Well, the angels told the women that Jesus was handed over to be crucified. Feel like your life seems like a failure? Jesus' entire life looked like a failure. He was rejected by his own people. He was betrayed and abandoned by his closest friends, and then he died the most shameful death A person could ever die. He was crucified and God used those very things, those very awful, awful things to work his greatest and best blessings for the whole world. God can and will do the same for you. Or what about, worst of all, death itself? Death seems to take everything that we've built up in our lives and just reduce it to absolute rubble. Death takes the people that we love most in life and rips them away from us. How could death possibly be good? Jesus' death and resurrection proven. God used death to destroy death. We might be tempted to think at times, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could just live forever? If we didn't get old, if our bodies didn't break, up, break down, if nothing ever hurt or we never got sick and we could just live and enjoy life forever. Wouldn't that be nice? No, in fact, it wouldn't. And not only because all of the things that go on in our world that we would have to endure and put up with forever, but because the life that God actually has prepared for us is so much better than the life that we could ever possibly find here on this earth. And guess what? There's only one way for us to possibly get there. There's only one ignition switch, you might say, that launches that life into place, and that's death. God uses death to destroy death. See, friends, no matter what we might build up as all of those bricks inevitably crumble and fall. What our God does, what Easter proves our God does, is that he picks up each and every one of those bricks, the things that look exactly wrong, and he uses them, those very bricks, to build something indestructible. To build something that will never fail, to build something that will never fall, something that we can and should believe in and firmly stand on. Easter will not fall even if you believe in it. Holy Week 2019 wasn't the first Holy Week that didn't start off the right way. Holy Week of 1969 wasn't going very well, especially for a man named Jeremiah Denton. Jeremiah Denton was one of the highest-ranking naval officers who was ever taken captive during the Vietnam War. In 1965, his plane was shot down. He was taken captive. He spent the next eight years in a variety of prison camps in North Vietnam, including many of them in solitary confinement. At one point during his imprisonment, Jeremiah Denton was used in one of those propaganda videos that the North Vietnamese wanted to broadcast to the United States. And while the video was being taped, he pretended that the lights were bothering his eyes. And so he blinked the word torture in Morse code so that the U.S. government would know what was going on. When Jeremiah Denton wrote his memoirs of his time in prison, he aptly entitled the book, When Hell Was in Session. So Easter of 1969, 50 years ago this month, he wrote a poem. He wrote a poem as a man whose plans and whose dreams had all come crumbling down. And so he wrote a poem from the perspective of someone else whose plans and whose dreams had all come crumbling down. He wrote it from the perspective of Jesus' mother Mary as she stood there and watched her son, Jesus, suffer and die on the cross. And here's what he wrote. He said, "'Her face shows grief, but not despair. Her head, though bowed, has faith to spare. For even now she could suppose his thorns might somehow yield a rose. Her life with him was full of signs that God writes straight with crooked lines.'" Dark clouds can hide the rising sun, and all seem lost when all is one. That's a poem that only a man who is standing on Easter can possibly write, even when hell was in session. And friends, rest assured that no matter what might be going on in your life, no matter what heartache and sadness you might be going through, Easter can and will do the very same thing for you come heartache or sorrow or loss or grief, come famine or plague, come hell or high water, Easter still stands. Easter will never fall. And so believe in it, stand on it, and neither will you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www. Dot